Welcome to Paris Good Food and Wine. I'm Paige Donner, the host and producer. This food and wine show is being brought to you directly from Paris, France. Here, we give you a taste of this delicious world with all its colorful and diverse personalities that make up the Paris culinary landscape. So, sit back and relax and enjoy Paris good food and wine. The leaves are falling, the clocks have been turned back. Autumn is here in all its colorful beauty, with winter just on the horizon. A poem I saw recently by Toulouse-Lautrec goes something like this. Autumn est le printemps d'hiver, or autumn is the springtime of winter. For this episode of Paris Good Food and Wine, we bring you a glimpse into some of the wine bar and small plates culture of Paris. This season, so full of harvests and the enjoyment of those harvests, easily gets us thinking about glasses of good French red wines shared over plates of savory morsels of meats, sausages, and slow-stewed vegetables. Two young men, both firmly entrenched in the city's fabric of restaurants, bars, and wine, speak to us candidly about their businesses and their newest endeavors. First up, we hear from Max Peyton Williams, an Englishman who's grown up his whole life here in Paris, making him a thorough Franco-Anglo hybrid. He found his passion for wine and food early on in life and is already making his mark on the local culinary scene. He's currently the manager at Vim à Table, which is the celebrated Belgian chef Vim van Gorp's newest small plates and wine bar in the Batignolles district of Paris. Then, we hear from Terence Schweitzer, who's a Franco-American mix. He also spent his entire life in Paris, save for a few years when he lived in Brooklyn. With a couple of buddies, he's recently opened a bar, event space, art gallery in the Upper Marais district. It's called Fat.Paris. Both of these guys are under 30 and offer that fresh perspective on where they may be taking the city's culinary landscape in the coming years, starting now. So, sit back and relax with me, Paige Donner, your host and producer, as you enjoy yet another delicious episode of Paris, Good Food and Wine. This episode of Paris Good Food and Wine has been brought to you by Paris Food and Wine. You can find us at parisfoodandwine.net. Max Peyton Williams, you're kind of an anomaly here because you're completely bilingual. You've been raised here in Paris, but you're English and Irish. So we'll get into that a little bit in a moment. But one of the first things I wanted to ask you, uh, since you've actually spent up until now your entire young life um, working for a lot of names, very well-known places here in Paris, 
What do you think about this new trend, this new eating trend of people gravitating towards small plates rather than like going in and ordering like, you know, a big plate with the mashed potato sides and stuff? What do you think about this small plate trend? Well, it definitely answers to something that people wanted for quite a few, quite a while. Um, working in traditional restaurants, as you were saying, with mashed potatoes and just main dishes, I think people want to experience as much food as they can. And the fact of giving small plates to people just gives you an opportunity to eat several little dishes and discover more food you would at a traditional restaurant. Um, it's some, something that started quite a few years ago and it's getting more and more trendy. And just people want, I think, their dinner a bit less formal and just go out, have a drink, a few plates, taste maybe a bit of fish, meat vegetables all separately um, without going into a traditional starter main course desserts and for the same price you can get eight dishes just a smaller size. Yeah it does kind of open you up to to different you know culinary experiences. How much are we drawing from the whole tapas tradition uh, um, on this or is tapas just something is that just a term I know because I'm, I'm originally from California? It's a tricky question because Tapas is traditionally the small Spanish dish um, on the counter in a bar to go with a drink. It's a good term to say, to give an idea of the size of the plate, but more and more chefs don't want to use the term tapas and probably want to use something more like hors d'oeuvre, as we would say in France, or amuse-bouche. Um, maybe to give it a more distinguished idea, but the former still stays tapas, so tapas would work out and you would understand what you'd be eating, but you'd find lots of chefs that wouldn't want to use the, the word tapas. So it really is more proper to actually say small plates. Like if I'm going to a small plates place, like some of the places you've worked at, like Comptoir, um, Freddy's. I mean, I'm not going to a tapas bar there. I'm going to a small plates and wine bar. Well, yeah, we wouldn't want to say you're coming to a tapas bar because you'd be disappointed and you'd maybe not find what you're looking for. But we would be able to say it's a small plate restaurant and also wine bar because all those places are as much as into the wine and have got a rigorous selection of wine as much as the quality and the size of the place you're going to be looking at. You know, you just anticipated my next question. I'm glad you brought that up because how big of a role do you think wine plays in this kind of uh, an approach to 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 a culinary experience? I, I, I mean, in my estimation, it, it, it plays a big role, but, but you tell me. Well, you know, to be honest, I think it is 50-50 in those kind of places. Um, some people would even come in and not even have food, just have a few drinks. But as the same way, some people come in and have a glass of water and a few plates. And as it's called, it's a wine bar, food bar. So you'd have to have an expectation of having great wines. And the experience would be the same of having an amazing glass of wine as having an amazing plate of duck or fish or whatever. So now walk us through a little bit uh, some of the places you worked at. I mean, just as we were kind of, you know, walking over to, to this little cafe here in the, 
in the in the shadows of the LSA, really. Um, well, not quite the shadows of the LSA, but in the Grand Palais district. You know, you were kind of starting to to give me a, a a highlight of some of the places that you've worked at. I mean, we just mentioned a couple. You know, Comtois, which of course is Yves Camdebord's highly successful places, and then Freddy's, which is another like mainstay, and Fish is another anchor in the Saint Germain place. So, how do these places fa- factor in? Like, when did you start working at these places? Um, I ended up there a bit. I mean, I don't really know how I ended up there, to be honest. Um. But the fact is, I started off working briefly in the wine shop because I was interested in wine, but I had no idea how it worked. And um, so, well, which wine shop was that? Because that's another anchor. The wine shop is a place called La Dernière Goutte, which is owned by a Cuban American called Juan Sanchez, who's actually spent more time here than back in the States. A very interesting and very important guy in the wine business around Paris. And so he opened up the Dernière Goutte about twenty three or 24 years ago um, and ended up meeting this guy called Drew Ari, which he's a Kiwi um, who owned a, an amazing sandwich place in the Rue de Seine called Cozy, who opened up 25 years ago and these two interesting guys just found this restaurant that was for sale opened up um, Fish La Boissonnerie about 19 years ago which which is just across the street from the, from Cozy. It's literally facing Cozy, so it couldn't get closer. And they opened it opened up as a wine bar and small restaurants, and became an actual restaurant and an actual wine bar. And the whole place just became popular. It was a nice, friendly place um, with good wine, good food, and it's still around and still is popular twenty years later. So. That just gives you a good idea of what the guys are doing. So a moment ago, too, you were referencing, like, you know, having started in the kitchens when you were 14 at, I think it was Freddy's or Cozy. It was Cozy. Okay, so now how did that how did that happen? Um, well, my mum actually opened up Cozy 24, 23 years ago. And the, the owner, Drew, is my godfather. So after doing several jobs all around the place, I just wanted to get into that business so he gave me an opportunity to just work around at summer to have an idea and a few years later I got back to him asking him if I could actually work for him but more on a wine and service side of the job than actually cooking which is really interesting but a proper proper job um, so I just ended up working in the wine shop to get a bit of knowledge in wine and they needed me a bit around in the re- different restaurants so I was working evenings in the restaurant and daytime in the wine shop and just met these amazing people that had an amazing knowledge in food and in wine and they were passionate about what they were doing and I just looked up to them and said I want to do the same thing as they were doing and I think just think that's how I ended up doing this job and staying in it and just loving getting to the job every morning I guess. You know, there. I think there are different ways to approach education in the food and wine business. I mean, you know, some people go to you know really expensive schools in Switzerland, for example, and other people just apprentice under you know famous restaurateurs or famous chefs. Did you now? Did you do your studies in restaurant management, or did you learn on the? Well, you know, I studied civil engineering, so something completely different. Um, and no, I was just, as I said, surrounded by people that were brilliant at what they were doing and I just learned by watching them and they just 
gave me all the knowledge they could and for free. So um, it was on the job, as they say. So now you've just made a pretty big career jump from working at Le Comptoir to now managing a new place. Tell me a little bit about this new place. So... As you were saying, I was working for this chef called Yves Condebord in the Comptoir in Saint-Germain-des-Prés. And um, I was approached by this Belgian chef that's been around Paris for about 10 years now. And has got a great restaurant called Comme Chez Maman up in the 17th by the Batignolles. And he knew me from when I was running Freddy's at the time. And um, just asked me if I was happy with what I was doing and um, was opening up this place that was very similar to the Comptoir and Freddy's, just small plates, wine, great wine selection, and um, asked me if I wanted to take over the wine lists of both of those restaurants and run the new place, and it just sounded like a great project, and the place looked brilliant, the staff was really nice, um, and I have to admit, um, my best friend's working in the kitchen, so that gave a, a good push to, uh, to uh, saying yes to the job. And um, so after after a few months working for Condebard, I just I just couldn't say no to the opportunity that was given to me. And um, so here I am, freshly in this new restaurant, where there's a lot to do because um, it's an opening and the first kind of restaurant um, in that neighbourhood. So we need to get the people to know us. But it was it it just made itself naturally, just meeting people and staying in contact with them, and just all came out very naturally. So it's called Comme Chez Maman. So Comme Chez Maman is the original restaurant. The restaurant we've just opened up is a restaurant called Wima Table, which is after the name of the chef called Wim Van Gogh. Um, and it's a small little restaurant in the Rue des Moines, open seven days a week, and you can just get loads of little plates all day long and great wine. So tell me a little bit about the wine that you're, you've been selecting, because I know that a lot of these places... Um, People people often ask me, especially like visitors who are here, they, they they often ask me, now what exactly is Van Naturel? <laughs> you know, and I'm always trying to explain to them. Well, it's not quite organic wine. It's like it's like one st- or one step, yeah, further. I don't know. Maybe you can answer that question. Van Naturel is a very open word. You can kind of put lots of different kinds of wine in Van Naturel, but. We all know the reputation of French wines around the world um, and most of the wines are very classic um, and there are quite a few chemicals in those wines. Then there's all the idea of um, biological and biodynamic wines which are getting more and more organic. I just got you on a Franglish. Biological is organic. (laughs) Sorry about that. And then you step ahead and go into natural wines, which are wines where there's very few, I mean, actually no chemicals whatsoever. But it goes ahead where they don't even use tractors. It's um, farms with animals and um, hand laboring and just very, it, it gets as organic and as natural as you can actually imagine. It's... I mean, naturally, it's all in the world, actually. It's just natural wine made from a natural fermentation um, and just waiting for the fermentation to do itself naturally. And then it's um, the job of the winemaker to actually understand when his wine is ready or not. 
You know, one of the questions I, I need to I need to figure out myself too is like, do they actually put natural wines in stainless tanks, or do they actually, or do they, or cement tanks, or do they use only barrel fermentation, or? And then that's um, then that the fact of natural is actually how you're going to make the wine fermentate. But then the actual fact of putting in a tank or in barrels, um, that's what the winemaker wanted to do with the wine but it it won't uh, it won't change the fact that the wine would stay natural um it's actually what you want to put in the wine to fermentate it that's going to say if it's classic um biodynamic or natural yeah it's fascinating i mean it's been a real shed now is na- i know that natural wines for the the place you were you just came from the le comptoir factor in hugely. What about your new place? Is it going to be a mix or? If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Paris, Good Food and Wine. I'm your host, Paige Donner. So the new place opened up a month before I arrived. Um, There was already a wine selection made by the previous manager there. Um, And my job now is going to be to work around that wine list considering the chef has got a few winemaker friends he would like to keep in his wine list, which is fine with me because they're winemakers I actually really like. And then it's just going to be bringing in some new winemakers, winemakers that have been working with previously in the different restaurants and that are wines I absolutely love and I would love to work with still in the future in this restaurant or in several other restaurants. And, um, and the idea is going to be to also bring in some new winemakers um, that are not known all by me or by people yet and give an opportunity to young winemakers that are starting to um, be able to have their wines paired with some loads of amazing dishes but the idea is going to be working with new and old winemakers and mainly organic and natural wines we're really not only but 90% of the wine list is going to be organic or natural. Okay, so you're one of those 20-somethings that have really uh, kind of bought into the organic and natural wines. I don't really like the fact of saying I'm going to do only organic or natural because there's some great wines and amazing wines that have to be considered as some of the best wines and are not natural and not organic. And I still want to work with those wines because I love them. But the more I say we can get towards wines that respect the earth and cycles and all all the others going on around them, it's just a good opportunity to to give a kick in those old kind of very traditional wines. But uh, we have to admit that around the last hundred years, all those wines were classing and with chemicals and they made the reputation of French wines. So you can't just put a cross on them. You have to work with them, but also around them. Well, it sounds like you have a whole lot of wine tastings you're going to be going to. Are you going to concentrate in this new place? Are you concentrating um, primarily on French wines, exclusively on French wines, or a mix? Um, I've been, the, the places I've been working previously only were working with French wines. So I made all my knowledge, because I didn't do a wine school, um, I made all my knowledge with those French wines, but I'm getting more and more opportunities to work with small winemakers especially in north of Italy and north of Spain. So I need to, it's going to be something we're talking about with the chef and probably there will be a few references because even though French and French wine is worldly known, there's some amazing wines all around Europe. I'm maybe not ready to work with New World wines as for New Zealand, Australia, South Africa, 
um, and I don't know much about the American wine yet. So probably in the first step, work with the wines that are neighbors to us with Italy and Spain, probably also German and Austri um, Austrian wines. And who knows, maybe in 15 years, uh, we'll be working with wines from all around the world and organic and natural wines from places we haven't even heard of yet, maybe Morocco or I know India's working with amazing wines and starting to work about uh, around wine. So who knows? Southern England, of course, coming onto the scene. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Um, and it's not a secret now. There's more and more French vineyards that are buying lands to turn them into vineyards in the south of England. Because south of England is turning into the climate that was the amazing climate that we could find 50 years ago in Champagne. So I don't know how the Appalachians are going to work out, but for sure we'll be drinking some, I think, brilliant English wines in the next 15, 20 and maybe 40 years. There are a lot of people who agree with you on that point. Yeah. Hey, Max. Yeah, that's cool. So, all right. So, um, last question for all of our listeners um, who want to come in and partake of your small plates and wine knowledge. Um, can you tell us the name again, the name of the chef, the address, and what are one or two or three dishes that you'd recommend people come on in for? So the place is still in the Batignol. Um, the address is 45 Rue des Moines. The restaurant itself is called Wim à Table um, after the chef Wim van Gorp. And it's such a simple place, um, no reservations, just walk in whenever you thirsty or hungry I guess and we'll be serving only small plates for the time being um, and then there's these little skewers of, of beef with satay sauce or these amazing salmon tartars um, small simple but towards the gastronomic side of tapas so we're trying to level up the idea of a simple simple tapas and just wines by the glass um, organic or not as we were talking about previously and a great selection of wine by the bottle. They're just a simple, natural, friendly place, but you get high-level food and wine. Great. Well, I know that a lot of us are going to be there <laughs> regularly and soon. Hey, thanks so much, Max. Thanks, thanks, for, uh, thanks for doing this, uh, this interview today. It was a great afternoon just having a little chat about food and wine. Just can't get enough of it. Thank you for listening to Paris Good Food and Wine. You can find the show on iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio. Next up, we hear from Terence Schweitzer. Terence, here at your bar in the Upper Marai that you opened up just this last summer, and it's already like the bomb. I mean, it's off the hook already. Can you, um, first of all, tell us a little bit about how you guys came, you and your two partners came up with this uh, name, Fat, 
fat, and then it's like your website is fat.paris, so fat Paris. Okay, so um, it was about, so in 2008, uh, my associate and friend uh, Willie uh, and Kevin uh, were starting to think of, of a, a bar, uh, so a street art bar, and like most of our concept, hip-hop also, but also a closing line, and that was, so in 2008, and they were thinking of, a, they, were, they had the idea and everything, but they were missing the name, and a friend of them uh, so created the logo and thought of French art touch, like, uh, you know, um, sort of a, to put in, um, in front line a little bit the, the French art, uh, and also the fact that uh, fat is a funny name, and it's, uh, it means, and also in French, we use it also, the same way English uh, and American use it. So in French, is like something, you know, like fat. It's, it's fat, it's cool, uh, it's hype. So, so uh, yeah, so that's how it, it got created. And that was like, all, you guys have been sitting on this name for a while. It was already, what, all the way back in 2008, 2009? Yeah. 2008, yeah. So you've had this, uh, this isn't just a concept that you sort of uh, imagined last year. This is something you guys have been working yeah. on. But we were not ready to, to do it. To, so we, uh, like, how do you say, like, we probably, like, through the years, we profound, we uh, detailed that concept. And uh, as a human and professional uh, person, we were not ready. We were a little too young, a little bit unexperienced, and we didn't have, like how we say in, in French, we didn't have the shoulders yet to, uh, to open the place, invest our own money, and to do it. Today, uh, we all have, we're three uh, partners we worked uh, in France and a little bit around the world. We have the same uh, mentality a little bit of uh, how sort of to run the business, but how, how we are because we're friends at the end. And today we have the shoulders to do it on our own and it's the perfect time. We're almost so, uh, sort of like I'm 31 and the two of uh, the others are like 27, 28. And uh, might as well start now young and, you know, maybe have a different... Um, different stuff uh, later on like a tattoo shop another bar a restaurant yeah today we're ready and we're very happy with the results after three months of acti activity well you know too you're coming in at a time when the cocktail bars are booming we'll get into a little bit in a second like how this is a departure really from the cocktail bars around town uh you've got art all up around your gallery you've got Katie Bucrea, who is kind of like a cult figure in your world. I say your world, like hip-hop, manga, that kind of thing. But, you know, before, Terrence, before we go into that direction, can you tell us a little, because your, your story is pretty interesting, too. You're half American, half French, and you spent several years in Brooklyn, I believe, before coming back and opening this up, right? Yeah, yeah. so I started uh, so quickly. So my dad's from Brooklyn, my mom's from Paris. I lived my whole life in Paris, 27 years. Uh, and then I decided to move to New York for three years. I've always been in L.A. and New York to visit my, my dad, which because my parents are, uh, were divorced. And I worked uh, quickly. My resume, I worked at uh, Par des Anges, which is a spirit and champagne company in Paris. Then I did an internship also at uh, Bacardi Martini, France, for six months. I was in the trade marketing. Uh, my dad also created um, a spirit. It's called Leblanc. It's a, a Brazilian rum which is called Cachaça. Uh, so he pushed, he, he didn't push me. The fact that he started this like almost 10 years ago, I started to learn about spirits, about uh, uh, the business of, uh, you know, in the nightlife and how to sell products. 
and cocktails. So my first cocktail, my favorite cocktail will always be the Caipirinha. And so then after Bacardi, after Bacardi, I I did six months in a bar. It's called the Y Paris. It's uh, It was uh, Rue Jean-Jacques Rousseau in the first district. And my mentor at this time was uh, Christophe Darmont, uh, a, a very uh, great bartender from the Forum. And then after that, I was a, a sales rep for uh, the company Ricard, which is, on, uh, which is the Pernod Ricard group for uh, three to four years. And I was in the nightlife sales rep in the one, two, three, four district of Paris. So that's where I extended my, my network. I, l- I learned about how to, you know, to negotiate uh, and the Parisian scene. And then I moved to New York and uh, I went in the hospitality business. So I was uh, in the management of Fig and Olive in Manhattan and I also did STK. And at the end, I was the GM of Fig and Olive for a few years and then STK for a few months. Yeah, that's a lot of preparation for being able to, you know, getting ready to open up your own place. Now, tell us a little bit more about the philosophy. I mean, I wish I could visually impart, you know, on this audio what it is to sit in here because it's not, it's not an art gallery because I, you know, I mean, it's definitely a bar and you've got graffiti all over the walls and then downstairs too is completely a club vibe. But then again, it's not necessarily like other cocktail bars that I've ever been in because there is this whole sense of, I don't know, just like the comfort of a living room. You, you used a French expression a moment ago. Can you say that yeah. again? So in, in French, so just to say that we're not, we're sort of a unique bar. We don't want to be like uh, pretentious about it because we're, we're very humble people. But the more people talk about us and we share ideas and what they think of our place and what, what our concept is, it's not just a cocktail bar. It's a, we're not a geek cocktail bar because we're not geeks of cocktail, but we love very good cocktails, and it's for a great price. I love wine. I love beer. I love everything. So it's like it's very open. Like for a cocktail bar, we have a beer pressure, but beer not on tap. on tap. Sorry, um, and it's not fancy or unknown beer. It's Brooklyn Lager, Cronenberg, Tigrebock, Grim Grim Blanche. So it's very to you know to get everybody into it cheap wine but very good and to go back to our concept it has our bar we didn't want we can't and we don't want to revolutionize the bar scene but uh, we want to make a place of living in french we say un lieu de vie so it's a place where there's always interaction activity it's a little bit more than just a bar so that's that's our concept and it regroups a lot of elements it regroups art so street art, it could be like Kadibu, which is very manga, uh, manga art and creative, um, a personalized art. Then we have, it touches to music, it touches to, so hip hop and electropop, it touches to uh, rap and MC. It's going to touch also comedians, we're going to have the pre-selection of the Jamet Comedy Club. Uh, it touches um, urban culture, which is like hats, uh, sneakers, clothing. And it touches also tattoo because we love tattoos. It, uh, so it, it regroups a lot of ambience elements. Um, under one, under under one, one roof. One roof, yeah. <laughs> this episode of Paris Good Food and Wine has been brought to you by Paris Food and Wine. You can find us at parisfoodandwine.net. Yeah, you know, well, this whole, your whole, um, that street culture that you're into, I mean, also, too, in this neighborhood, Supreme, that 
cult uh, skateboard shop is right around the corner as well. I mean, and it's like, and on any day of the week, there are like, you know, 10, 15, 20 people in line out the door. It's so funny. So you're right in the right neighborhood. I mean, this is like the neighborhood that's trending the most in Paris these days. Anyway, let's, um, let's, uh, let's jump on over to hear about a little bit of your cocktails because uh, I know you know you actually do some of the bartending here some evenings you of course you've got your partners and and support staff and barbacks and stuff but tell us some of your signature cocktails and also your street food because you've got some great street food here yeah so uh so we're all bartenders and all directors so we turn with the kitchen the bar the service to talk about the cocktail so as I was saying like it's a very uh, easy uh, uh, cocktail menu because our cocktails creation signature are 10 bucks, as well as our classic. A lot of bars, uh, for some reasons, their creation is two euros more, uh, which I think sometimes is not worth it. And 10 euros, it's, uh, it's, it's a lot of money for a drink. And I think I'm against cocktails that cost 12 to 14 uh, euros, and they don't taste amazing. They're not, there's no wow. And for us, everything that we do, we want that wow expression on everybody's face when they when they dis, when they try our, our cocktails so we have a, we always try five a funny name like we have a cocktail it's called the fat ass uh, the figalicious the no diggity the billy jean uh, for example one of my um, my favorite is uh, the figalicious it's with uh, jameson whiskey por- uh, tony port uh, saint germain fig jam uh, a little bit of mint and uh, some lime, so it's it's very it, it has that a powerful uh, fig taste. Uh, it's not too sweet and and you uh, like Jameson is so uh, light that it's interesting to have whiskey in that cocktail, and especially for people. I really I sometimes I push people to try it, especially when they hate whiskey, and at the end they're like, wow, I love whiskey, you know. Uh, and also we do all do our classics. Uh, also for for ten um, ten euros, we have also as I was saying, we have red uh, wine, uh, red wine, white and rosé. Yeah, but even at happy hour, I mean, what you have happy hour for I like? Mean, we have also a happy hour from six to eight. So for example, our glass of wine, the Bordeaux and the Chardonnay, instead of being five euros, they go down to four. Uh, the same for the uh, beer t- on top for the white and the blonde instead of five. They're four for a, a 33 centiliters. We don't do pints. We don't do half, just one type of glass. Yeah, so we, we have a, a nice little happy hour. And then also if we want to talk about the street food, so it's everything is homemade. Uh, and um, we our concept of the street food is it's to share, mostly to share. And we don't use a knife and forks, uh, no, no dishes. There's no dishes. So like this, everything goes away. We try to buy a ecologic... Uh, I don't know how you say um, yeah, like uh, paper plates and paper stuff, plates, but that yeah. are recyclable or something. And everything, because uh, we're trying to save the planet. And uh, so we have our our pizza slice, which is like the real, the same size as you can get in uh, the U.S. Mm-hmm. That big fat slice of pizza, but it has also, especially uh, the originality of our our paste is that it's like a boulangerie taste. So it you mean crust? Crust, yeah. Then we have our hot dog, which uh, the name is the doggy style. It's, uh, for example, with a 100% beef hot dog. We have a organic brioche uh, bread. And uh, we have a cheddar, a fried onion, ketchup, and mustard. We also have a, um, a sort of remix of the guacamole with no avocado, only with zucchini and cream cheese. It's called the Yoda salsa. And it's, it comes with spiced and classic tortilla. 
uh, and tomato and cucumber. And we have also a big seller, which is called the, the pain hérisson. It's a big 250 grams of uh, bread cut in little pieces. So you have to, you know, put your hands and detach uh, your, um, your piece of bread. And it's with uh, uh, olive oil infused with uh, thyme, mozzarella and pesto rosso. So it's delicious, it's hot, and it's huge, and it's great to share for two to three people. And all our prices go, goes from six to eight euros, which, again, I don't think there's a lot of prices like that uh, for fresh food and that quality uh, for that price. Yeah, no, everything is super reasonable. And plus, it's like kind of like round numbers, so you're not trying to like sit there and calculate, well, okay, you know, because a lot, a lot of cocktails in this town are, you know, 15, 18 euros, which is like, who can afford that, you know? So yeah, it's like an easy night out. It's a great place for afterworks. And uh, I know, I remember I was in here a couple weeks ago, and geez, by 7.30, 7, 7.30, the place was absolutely Packed, so yeah, so it's a good time to good, good place to get get in here early. Now, what are some what are some things coming up on the calendar? Say, you know, are there any are there some highlights in say, you know, this month in November um, or December? You know, holiday time. Yeah. So talking about art, so exposition we're booked till February. So every two months we have a new artist that comes in and sell their art. Just for the fact we don't take any money on the sales. We give it directly to um, to the artist because it's not interesting for us to take a, a little percentage on the art. And we prefer that every artist that comes here, they do something for us. Either they do an, uh, a picture or a closing line or something, you know, they got to do, they got to give us something. And so it's it's a friendly relationship that we have. So the art, then we have the, like I said, the pre-selection of uh, comedians for mainly the Jamel Comedy Show, which is going to be, I think every two Mondays a month and DJs also, uh, a lot of DJs are coming up to us and asking us for um, if they can play music here. So yeah, and we have going to have Sundays also, two Sundays a month with the Serralist, the, it's our friends. It's the Serralist, it's a, like cereal bar. Uh, And there, I know what you're talking about. That's the place right around the yeah. corner. It's like uh, you go in there, and it's just all boxes of cereal. Yeah, boxes of and concept store. You can buy a lot of stuff that you don't have in France. It's like a mini Colette, and also a tattoo shop downstairs, and they also do like the comedy clubs like that. So they're gonna do an event with us, uh, two Sundays a month, and it's gonna be we're gonna try to go through like the Caribbean trap music. So we're gonna you know Brazilian. Side. So there's a lot of stuff coming up for November and December. And also we're going to have a, we just met someone. So two days ago, we met a producer of a group of, uh, of uh, women rappers. So uh, I forgot the name. My uh, partner knows about it. And it's uh, five girls from around the world. So one Romanian, one is Italian, one Mexican, I think one French and one Jamaican. And they all sing together, but each in their own language. So it's pretty cool. Uh, apparently, they're doing concerts around the world, and we might go to get them here. And I love the vibe, the music, and the fact that not a lot of people know them. And the concept of, uh, of uh, girl power singing their own language, it's pretty cool, pretty awesome. So concerts also are coming up. Um, yeah, so very excited. 
Yeah, you guys got a lot going on. You know, it's very cool. I mean, it's like it, what's what's so inspirational about what you're doing here is that you're taking your space and you're just like maxing it out on all different levels. So anyway, I just want to say thanks so much for taking the time, Terrence, today to talk to us. And uh, you definitely have this Brooklyn vibe here, though, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's from uh, tonight blood, you know. <laughs> but thank you. Thank you for, for, for being here and for to give us a chance uh, for the interview, you know, to get to get to know us better. Cool, awesome. All right, cool. Thank you for listening to Paris Good Food and Wine. You can find the show on iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Paris Good Food and Wine. A big thank you to all who helped make this show possible. And especially a grand merci beaucoup from me, your host and producer, Paige Donner. You can find this and past episodes of Paris Good Food and Wine on iTunes. And remember to follow us on Twitter at Paris Food Wine and like us on Facebook at Paris Food and Wine.